because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com. Presented by our uh, good friends over at 247comedy.com. You can uh, head on over there, get the iHeartRadio app. They got a uh, streaming 24-7 comedy channel. I know uh, they're getting a lot of uh, stuff down there from South by Southwest. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of fun going on there. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Leistico. Top of the morning to you, Mr. Green. <laughs> I like that, Logan. Getting ready for uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up on Saturday. Yep. Any big uh, St. Patty's Day plans? Well, we were going to have a pool party, but it is raining on Saturday, or at least oh, that's okay. the prediction. So we may do some day drinking over here, but no real plans. Good times. Now, Logan, I know you uh, just put out a video about trees. You want to talk about that a little bit? That's right, yeah. Uh, I have a new web series <laughs> on Funny or Die. It's about trees, yeah. Uh, yeah, the first episode is about the mighty redwoods. And uh, this comes out on Friday, and you'll actually be able to read an article about it in OurThursday.com. Cool. Now, wait, is it a, it's a series? You're going to be doing more tree videos? <laughs> well, it'll cover – the next episode will be about the American buffalo, and uh, we I hope to cover uh, the volcanoes of Hawaii and, you know, maybe the Grand Canyon, just different types of nature stuff in America. All right. Nice. Looking forward to that. Keeping it patriotic for the and, election. Um, before we introduce our guests, we are brought to you by Amazon, and uh, I went to Amazon. Clicked through the, sh- the uh, banner on SeanTGreen.com. Got my mom a uh, Kindle gift card for her birthday, so happy birthday, Mom. I know this is going to be you know, later on, but uh, hope you have a happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, you know, besides giving my mom the Amazon Kindle gift card, I think uh, another appropriate <laughs> gift would be a great guest. And I'm going to do that by introducing Paul Morrissey. Paul, what's uh, happening, man? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. It's good to be here at the lake, right by the lake. Yes, we are. Uh, we're pretty close to the actual Silver Lake Reservoir. Have you uh, Have you ever hung out over there? Uh, not at the reservoir. No. What's What's there to see? Am I missing anything? Paddle boats? You can nope. see a lake through a gate. Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> not actually. You're not actually allowed to touch the lake. Um, you know, it's it's fenced off. But it is. It is actually. It's kind of nice. Like there's a road right next to it. People uh, seem to jog around it a lot. I know. I know. I'm always over there because there's a dog park right next to the lake. So I go over there, hang out. You see a lot of a uh, lot of cute chicks jogging around in the, you know, tight jogging clothes going around the lake. It's a, it's a nice little area. It's but also you, in the hills, which is cool. And you can't actually go in the water. No, no. no. And I, I don't. I don't think you would want to. I don't think anyone would ever want to. It's. The water is silver. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's where they got the name Silver Lake from. The silver colored water for whatever reason. God the knows why. But you don't have your East Coast friends. Like I used to live. Uh, I lived in Playa del Rey for a few years, and uh, it's right by Dockweiler Beach, which is never. It's never really busy, and I've been told that that's where they did like the Rocky Apollo running on the beach. Oh really? That, oh really? I could uh, I could say I could see that making sense. And uh, they film a few things down there, but um, I remember I had a friend like you know how East Coast people come out and visit, and they're just obsessed with like, yep, you, you yeah. must go to the beach every day. Like I'm gonna. So I had a friend <laughs> that like he just got up every morning and ran on the beach, and then uh, he's like, yeah, I went for a swim, and I was like. I don't think you're allowed to go in the water, dude. Like, like I've lived here for a couple of years, and there's this sign, nobody ever goes swimming there right by the marina, you know? Oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. That does not look like a good area. Yeah, I, I, I had the same thing. I mean, I, I'm from the East Coast as well, and uh, when I was going to school out here, I had a buddy from uh, the New York area, John, and we were just, like, insisted on going to the beach a lot. So it was, like, the first kind of warm day, like, middle of March, and so the ocean temperature is still, like... 
50 degrees, 60 <laughs> degrees. We're like, that's not going to stop us. We're going out boogie boarding. And it was just this crazy storm. And, uh, yeah, we're getting, like, tossed around and getting pulled out fairly far to the point that I don't even think there was a lifeguard on duty. He just, like, saw <laughs> two jerk-offs, like, you know, just way out on their boogie boards. And he, like, came and, and waved us down and made us come in. It's always something, you know, when you're an older guy, just – or just when you're a man, just getting whistled at by the lifeguard. There's something that just like takes you back to like being a little kid and getting yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> you know what uh, people also don't realize about the L.A. beaches now is you're not even allowed to throw a frisbee or a football. Yeah, we were talking about that. Uh, did you see that? That was a news piece going around. We talked about it in the podcast a couple of weeks back, but I guess they raised the fines for illegal beach activity up to a thousand dollars. One of the illegal things being from like. Uh, Memorial Day, basically the Labor Day, the heart of the summer. You're not allowed to throw a frisbee or a football on the beach, and the fine is supposed to be up to a thousand dollars, which really? is insane. I know it is. Yeah. It's no uh, dogs either. There's yeah. a lot of rules. That no are dogs. Are, okay, maybe that's one thing. But a football, Paul, you're a, you're a sports fan. Have you ever? I mean, when guys get brain damage in the NFL, it's not from getting hit <laughs> in the head with a football at. Uh, you know, a, a, a beach game. It's from, it's not like Lawrence Taylor is wearing a helmet spearing you while you're playing the football. I, I have no idea what people are thinking. Yeah, I don't know. What is that? Is that rule to like... Oh, and, and no holes deeper than 18 inches on the sand. Yeah, don't bury dad in the sand. That's against right. the Well, that's a dang- Oh, and it said uh, <laughs> commercial and like uh, film production shoots are... You know, if you get the proper permits, then maybe you can – so we can make movies and TV shows where people throw footballs on the beach and build sandcastles, which I guess you're just encouraging people to want to come to the beach and do that, but they're not allowed to do that. This is why I hate this uh, state of California sometimes. It's insane. Yeah. Speaking of that, now you uh, – neighborhood around here is like, all right, it's kind of in the middle. But what drives me crazy is there's like randomly – there will be like mattresses. Uh, you know, I've ranted about toilets. There's a porcelain toilet issue going on here where just people just remodel their house and just leave a toilet out. And it'll sit out there. You're like, oh, okay, it's going to be gone tomorrow, right? They're going to call the bulky item pickup. No, it just sits out there for like three and a half months. And it's just, it's just and it's, it's crazy because we're paying taxes. And I was sitting there at the dog park today watching a cop, like the, the new, th- the, or I mean, it's not new, but. Like, there's a lot of hills in the Silver Lake area, and so what they'll do is they'll just, like, post up behind, like, a bush or something and basically wait for you to be going downhill to either kind of slide through a stop sign or be going a little too fast uh, coming out of a hill. And they were just, like, riding one ticket after another, and it's insane because it's, like, literally right next to, like, a giant mattress and, like, all this other crap that, all right, fine, if you're going to take all these fines in, at least do some work of, like, cleaning up or something. It's insane. Yeah, I don't know what it is with the mattresses. Like, I've been kind of like, <laughs> it, it always catches your eye because you're just like, how did that even get there? And there was like, I live on Laurel Canyon, and that's like one of the few streets I think in that I've ever heard of that there's no street cleaning. Like, I left my car there for like two months when I was like doing stuff in New York, and it's still there. Like, and there's that's cars insane. that just stay there. So there, there was like two or three mattresses that just stayed on the street <laughs> for you like you think your car is gone but it's under a pile of mattresses <laughs> yeah. exactly and then like uh yeah and one of my buddies had an apartment and there was a mattress like on the roof i'll uh like the hangover yeah and but he was like hey i'm paying a lot of money for this like high-rise apartment and all i do is see this dirty mattress on a roof i know it, so- it's just something that just like bums you out it just bums you out to and see just like, random crap thrown around but he was like you know thinking about well, should i tell him it's on fire should i do something <laughs> like just to get somebody to go up there and do it because you know nobody's gonna he's the only one that can see it so yeah there's like, a large yeah. pile of cash uh underneath this mattress on the roof you might want to come check it out no i know it's just no one no one gives a crap they and whatever i guess there's no money in it they don't care blah 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 typical there's some kind of crap. number you you can call, right? There's something that like picks it up. I don't know how long it takes, but it's just I'm kind of obsessed with like the movement of mattresses because <laughs> like you, really always, you always see like a truck that's got like nine piled high. So you well, don't yeah, know if they're picking them up or are they selling them or what are well, they doing? Well, I, I know uh, I'm 
uh, with a lot of these things, people like you know they'll just like throw an oven out in their yard, and what happens is. These, uh, you know, Latin American guys come by and they get these giant trucks and just throw in scrap metal and whatever – and even uh, like a box spring or a mattress. They can still – I don't know about the actual mattress, but I know there's like enough metal in a box spring or maybe even the mattress itself because of the springs that they can get some money for the scrap metal. Oh. I remember when I used to work construction – uh, I, they were just like, yeah, just throw it out in the street. I was like, well, aren't we going to clean it up? He's like, oh, don't worry. It will be gone. Like literally come back two seconds later and it's gone. Oh man, yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre that that really should be a uh, reality show. If people are looking for new reality shows, I think following just these like pickers of scrap metal and stuff like that going around or you know recycling random stuff. I feel like that would be a pretty interesting show. Well, yeah. it is that weird thing of like, especially Los Angeles. You have uh, every time you move, you gotta get a mattress because. Like, you're just like, well, how many years are you allowed to have this thing? And then you read all those reports, there's like 15 pounds of dead skin yes, exactly. per year or something <laughs> like that. So then you're like, all right, I'll buy one. And then it's like, you know, five or $600 for like even a crappy mattress. So like, man, how are people affording this? And then the other thing in L.A., I don't know if, I, I think it's pretty particular to L.A., but the refrigerator thing. Like yeah. When you, when you move yeah. an apartment, it's, like, not a given that you have a refrigerator. You usually have to bring it. So Yeah, and it's a weird mix of, like, some places the refrigerator's included, some it isn't. So then, you know, you get this weird refrigerator swap going. We should standardize. Eat, like, rental units come with a refrigerator or not. And, and I feel like we can streamline that. I don't think like that's that crazy. Just say, Hey, if you're running a rental unit, yeah, a refrigerator should be included. I mean, why, you know? Yeah. Like what else? I mean, you're not going to store, or, nobody brings a refrigerator with them cross country. Like <laughs> exactly. Or you've got like a, yeah, <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're moving into like a studio apartment. You're not going to have a refrigerator that you have laying around. Like, obviously you don't have a lot of space. You're probably a single person. It's also, insane. it's not like you have a lot of options of what you're going to put in that space in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, it's not like you're going to put a coffin there yeah, or something. Pretty like sweet spice rack. Yeah, coffin. <laughs> I like to I like to sleep up, standing up while I'm uh, hanging out in my kitchen. Uh, so now, Paul, when did uh, now? I knew you. Um, I know you grew up in the New York area, right? Mm-hmm. Upstate New York. Yeah, yeah, the Owego, uh, which is a really small town, but in the Binghamton area. Isn't that the Bud Light dog, huh? The Have Bud you gotten Light that already? No, no. Oh, that? did you see the commercial where uh, they go, uh, hey, we go, or and uh, or no, it's like, here, we go. The dog's supposed to be named Wego. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, just no. some dumb commercial, but then the dog keeps getting Bud Lights. Cause here that's we their, go, and he grabs that's the Bud their, Yeah, that's their catchphrase, so basically oh, okay. They're acting like the dog's name is Wego, so they're saying, like, here we go. and But the dog's thinking, here we go, meaning, hey, it's time to party and drink Bud Light. It's kind of confusing, but <laughs> no. the dog, the dog's name is Wego. In the, didn't, in, didn't catch up with that. My actual no. town where I grew up is even smaller. It's called Spuds McKenzie. So, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a suburb. I'm just sure outside. there's a dog from a beer commercial named that, too, right, Sean? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I grew up in upstate New York, and... Uh, I actually moved out to California, to Northern California, the first time uh, I lived in Chico, California, which is like, for people who don't know, that's like the big, that's like the animal house of of the California State uh, College system. Chico is like the big party place, you nice. know, so. Yeah, and what, uh, there's like a popular brewery up there? Sierra Nevada is Sierra Nevada is up there. No, wait, when did you move to uh, Chico? I moved there in 1997. Okay. Now, how so, old were you then? Uh, I I was just out of college. I went to, um, I got out of college. I got an internship with Fox Sports in Phoenix, and just did an internship there. And then, basically, I uh, was trying to be a broadcaster. So, uh, what you do? It's basically like auditioning for a role. Like every TV station within driving distance, you just send audition tapes to and resumes and beg them for a job and. Uh, and so I got this job at an ABC station in uh, – the main station was in Redding, but I worked in Chico, California, which is where all the college stuff was. So it was oh, fun. Okay. So I got the cover. You know, that's, was, that's a good gig. You're just – you're just out of college, and you got the, uh, you know, you got the, uh, yeah, you're hanging out in a college town covering sports. Yeah, it was, and you feel like you got a job except for you're making no money. That's the thing that I didn't know when I first got <laughs> out of college. You had no idea, like, oh, my God, $400 a week? Are you kidding me? Oh, if, 
I mean, it was minimum wage. It was like I made I made more money as a janitor one summer than I was making as an on-air TV That's insane. Person. Well, yeah, because they start you out of the small market. All right, so yeah. wait, before uh, – let's uh, let's talk a little bit upstate New York. What was um, – you grew up in a small town. Now, you were, I guess you were a sports fan growing up the whole time. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a, a high school uh, basketball coach and uh, was like an assistant football coach and baseball coach and kind of, you know, small – Small town, you know, basically did a little bit of everything. And he actually even started, him and he and my mom started a, uh, like, the local soccer league. Like, they didn't have youth soccer back then, so they kind of started the league from, oh, like, wow. two teams. And now it's, like, a huge league. Now, were you so. were you good as a, as a kid, as a child athlete? Were you considered a good athlete? I will say, like, I played everything. I, I think I had pretty good hand-eye. Like, I was a decent tennis player. I was decent, like... Uh, I was a pretty good soccer player, and uh, basketball is probably my worst sport. Really? Um, at that point, just because I was really, really short. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, around, like, 6th or 7th grade, uh, I, I was one of those guys, like, my birthday was in August, so I got to play Little League when I was 13. So, and that's, like, a big year back then. So, like, you play when you're 12, and, you know, I'm, like, one of the smaller kids playing, like, second base. And then thirteen, you're like Frank grade. Thomas. You're like, and like uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pitcher, and I'm playing third base. And uh, oh, got my hat. And uh, and Sorry, uh, my dog just got bit a his crazy hat. dog in here. And so, uh, so I got really into baseball for like a few years, and then the basketball bug really kind of hit me. Like, yeah, because I was gonna yeah. say, man, we we play these uh, these pickup games with comedians, and. Uh, yeah, dude, you're really. I was. I was. Uh, I don't know. You didn't strike me as like just looking at you. I was just like, oh yeah, okay. You know, like I didn't. I didn't picture you as a as a great basketball player. But oh yeah, it's never, quick. never the case. It's yeah, like, uh... you're uh, very surprisingly <laughs> just like good off the dribble and uh, you know great shot. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll say like so. My dad was uh, obviously like a. He was a coach and a gym teacher, so all my time was just spent. You know, just gym you get babysat in the gym. And then it was, like, around 8th grade, like, 7th grade, I was, like, way deep in the bench. Like, you play 5th quarter, they used to have the extra quarter that, like, the kids that don't play that much uh, get in the game. Yeah, I know. I I never played 5th quarter, but I did play uh, B-team game. So it was, like, the guys who didn't play a lot got a B-team game. And I didn't even start on the (laughs) B-team. I remember that. I still (laughs) work in off the bench for B-team. Yeah, it was like a weird, uh, it was kind of a weird year, because yeah, I was really small, and then from 7th to 8th grade, all I did was play basketball. Like, I used to get up, I'd ride my bike down to the boys club, I'd shoot for like two hours, I'd play against the adult, you know, the men that used to play like noon to two o'clock. Oh, you're one of those damn kids that humiliated me. That is is the worst, when you're playing down at the YMCA, and then there's like this 13-year-old just like crossing you up, you're like, you (laughs) son of a... I'll throw him a hard foul, teach him a lesson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's like the best thing, is to play against older and better people, you know, because you just play against your friends all the time, and you kind of get bored of that anyway. So I used to just, yeah, I'd I'd just play as many games as I could, whether indoor or outdoor. I don't know, it was mostly just out of boredom, you know, it's just upstate New York, so it was yeah, fun, not a lot going on, fun but... to do, and, uh, you know, I could just ride my bike to different courts and stuff, so from 7th to 8th grade, I went from, like, you know, last guy on the bench to, I made the freshman team as an 8th grader. Oh, wow. I still wasn't starting, so it was like, I was still playing against kids that were better than me, so then by the time I got... I got to be a freshman, and I was on the freshman team. Then I was, like, kind of the star of the freshman team. So we were, like, a really good team, and I was the leading scorer and the point guard and all that kind of stuff. So then, you know, 10th grade, we, we had a great JV team, which was kind of weird because at that point I probably could have started on the varsity team. My dad was the coach, so he was really, like, hesitant about, like, pushing me in too quick. Yeah, he didn't, and, want, to, like, he didn't want to be called out for favoritism. Being favorite or anything. But the, at this point, like, I was just, you know, I was a gym rat. Everyone you were knew, unstoppable. Like, my dad, like, I would get passes during study hall to go shoot baskets. And, like, <laughs> nice. This sounds like a great high school experience, yeah. just playing basketball yeah, the entire yeah. time. And the thing was, is, like, when you're in a small school like that, it was kind of cool that, like, you know, I try to do that whenever I'm, you know, when you see older, or when you're, like, working in a school where there's, like, kids that have this kind of unconventional, but, like, a productive habit. Like, if somebody was, like, 
writing short stories or doing cartoons instead of their actual schoolwork, like you you gotta encourage that a little. Yeah, bit, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like so like they know I'm not doing drugs or drinking or smoking. Like I just want to play basketball. So it's like. Well, if you have your homework done, just let them go play. Like yes. that was that was the attitude. So that was yeah, no, that's cool. a good attitude. I mean, I would have done that and just uh, drank anyway. <laughs> just like I'm playing basketball and I'm drinking. It's part of my uh, it's part of my game plan. It works for Charles Barkley. Relax, everyone. So you're kind of a jock in high school. Well, no, that that's the whole thing. Is like I wasn't a jock. I was like I was just really good at basketball, and I still played baseball. Like I had kind of a natural. Like, you know, my brother played uh, baseball in college, and he was a really good soccer player, too. He he played at uh, baseball at Columbia, and he was, re- like, a really good high school, like, all-conference baseball player. And so I still was, like, you know, trying to play sports all seasons. But then when it got to, like, 10th, 11th grade, where it was like, hey, you know, he might be able to play in college if he keeps on this. Then it was just, you know, all the AAU leagues started popping up, and then you start playing at summer camps all summer, so then it was like all about basketball. Like that's all. I basketball did. Yeah, became yeah. your life. Yeah, pretty much, and it was fun. Like I didn't, you know, it wasn't because I didn't want to do it. Like I just watched games or went to games, and I got to know like you know, uh, you know, a lot of college players, and I got to know a lot of coaches, and you know, that's when you know I got to meet like Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson, and like wow, that's go exciting. To, go to all these cool camps and stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun, you know. And I played against a lot of guys that ended up in the NBA and. Any uh, any ones we'd know like what? Uh, well, the one uh, the what's one, the one thing, that sticks out? Well, that tape that kind of popped up. I don't know if you saw this. Was uh, I played against this team from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Bob Sura was on the team. Okay, who like ended up playing for the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Like he was one of the white guys in the dunk <laughs> contest. Nice. And uh, there was a game where we played them, and it was like a ridiculous like. We had a couple guys. It had a McDonald's All American that like played at Syracuse and stuff, but uh, we ended up uh, losing like one twenty to like one eighteen or something. Oh man! And I had I had thirty five points, but Bob Sir had thirty seven. That was that was a little, that was a little point. Still, of that. still a little bit better. Okay, so you're not really a jack, but you're playing a ton of basketball in high school. That seems to be your kind of main focus in high school. So now what were you thinking in college? You were like, all right, I'm going to go play ball somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the whole thing. I was just talking to somebody cause I, uh, I ended up getting my, like my master's in education and I did some teaching and stuff. So I still help at some schools once in a while, just like with fun kind of like writing assignments and stuff like that. And, uh, somebody was asking me about like tutoring the SAT and I was like, I don't even think, I don't even remember taking the SAT. Like, <laughs> like this was back when, like, because I, I played basketball, so it was like any school that I was going to go to. Yeah, just was just got, like, oh, just you don't care in. about SATs. Like, like, I think I took it, like, in 10th grade and maybe got over 1,000, and they're like, that's all you need. Yeah. Like, I yeah. got, like, 1050 or something, and I just never took it again. Right. And yeah, there was no, it wasn't, like, a major requirement. So where'd you end up going to school? Well, this is when the journey, like, gets kind of interesting so yes so uh digging deep in paul morrissey yeah i i ended up doing a tour of new york state colleges i uh <laughs> i went to well so so our high school team ends up being really good i ended up all state like i averaged like 22 a game and we had another guy that that was all state like a big guy and so i was all state in new york so that was like kind of a big deal but I was still like you know five nine and really not really like like 140 pounds at that point. Right. So I got recruited by a couple bigger places, but um, and one of the places was uh, University of Lowell, which was like a Division two school in Massachusetts, and uh, ended up Stan Van Gundy was the coach there. Oh wow! <laughs> now coach for uh, Orlando Magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so there was a couple of. Uh, but not huge, huge schools, you know. So I, I knew I could start for like, uh, you know, a smaller like Division two or Division three school. So um, and that's all I really wanted to do was play because that's when when you know I played in a couple camps in the summer and I was like, oh well, these guys they almost have agents at this point, and I'm just like a nobody from a little town and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So um, I so I you know I ended up going to this Hartwick College, which is in Oneonta, New York. Okay. Another and, upstate, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they were Division One soccer, which a couple couple guys played for uh, played for the World Cup team, and uh, we had uh, uh, John Flaherty from the Yankees. His younger oh, brother wow. Keith was lived on my floor, and so I got to meet John a couple times when he was like 
in the minor leagues and stuff. Oh, that's just crazy. just come to hang out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I ended up play- playing there, and we had a good team. I started as a, as a freshman, which was still a big deal. You know, I had to beat out two or three guys to do that. But, um, but it was just, like, it was a really, like, rich private school, like, you know, I was getting the majority of it paid for, but it was like twenty thousand dollars. Even that was like oh wow in the nineties. Even that yeah, was, that's crazy. So, so and then my dad ended up getting a job as a college coach at a junior college. Okay. So, so I ended up transferring to this Broom Junior College, which is in Binghamton, New York, and uh, so I transferred into him, and and this was like kind of out of. Uh, like the movies because our team was like kind of a mishmash of like ragtag bunch. Well, no we one had, believed in. We had uh, we had eight guys. So my dad, well, my dad's a pretty good like you know even then he had played in college and no just, wait real quick how was your how was your relationship with your dad did you guys ever did you ever like get in each other's faces about like you're pushing me too hard or he wasn't no, pushing he never, you enough he never pushed me like i'm i'm the one that begs to like go to games and bothers him and wants to keep keep practicing and going to the gym yeah so he never pushed basketball on me he just you know but he loves the game too so he still you know, tries to play. He's had like knee replacement surgery and still shoots around and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was cool because my, I mean, my dad was the gym teacher. So it was like in school, you kind of didn't want to embarrass your parents like by acting like a an idiot in school. So I was kind of like a good kid just in that way. Yeah. And uh-huh. um, so we got along pretty good. And so when I transferred to this junior college, it was kind of like like I was coming into like you know, to help because I was already a starter at a at an NCAA school. So when I transferred in, we had, like, another kid that had played at my high school who was, like, you know, like a Bible. There was, like, two kind of, like, Bible, <laughs> straight-edged kind of guys. And then there was, like, a guy who had, like, been in prison but was, like, one of the best <laughs> players in, like, New York City during like the 80s. those are the two types of really <laughs> New York Penal League. Yeah, either super religious or uh, yeah. super criminal. And then there was, like, another two or three guys that were kind of, like, you know, you know, a questionable past. You know, that's what junior college was all about. Cause if, exactly. You know, if you were from the city and you wanted to go to school... Yeah, one of those little. You were the you were one of the guys who couldn't get yeah. the SAT here to figure out to take it. You go play a junior college for a little while. So it was great. Like we ended up, uh, I think we started slow, but you just play a ton of games, and we were just like, because even in high school, my dad kind of had a fast pace. You know, I think we averaged like, you know, like in the eighties, like in high school, like we we really ran it up and down. So we went to college. I remember. We, we we were like in the nineties, like we wow. had two or three guys that were Dad's like a Dan and Tony, yeah, Mike Dan and Tony, like uh, Paul Westhead, you know. Okay, so now you, you go to the junior college. Things are working well there for basketball. When do you uh, like? What's the ultimate game plan? Obviously, you you really enjoyed sports, so then you you wanted to get into sports journalism. Did that was that kind of like going on in your head, or was it just more you know, play basketball is, and get a job second? It is kind of silly like that, like. I look back now, like, uh, like the, it goes back, like, third grade, I, <laughs> my mom had all this stuff. Like, third grade, I, I had a, I did a pastel drawing of a lion that won, like, some award or something, and they put it up in the school, like, something I couldn't even draw now. And oh. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote, like, two plays about, like, dragons or something <laughs> like that. Like, had nothing to do and and I I used to write all these stories and then all of a sudden like I just didn't do that anymore when I got into sports. Yeah. So it was like my own personal renaissance like ended <laughs> when I was 7. <laughs> so uh so it was like a weird thing so all this creative stuff kind of found its way to like into sports I guess. So so even when I was in college it's like well I'm either going to play basketball or I'm going to coach basketball. Yeah. Or or maybe I'll talk about basketball. But, right, I mean, worst case. You know, but there was guys like a guy who played for my dad had played in Ireland, and I knew other guys that, like, my my dream, I was like, I can play somewhere. Like, I'm I'm good enough to just play. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was still the goal. So after junior college, like, we ended up winning, like, a ton of games in a row, and I was, like, the region MVP, and we went to the national championship. I think we finished, like, fifth in the nation. We went to, like, the final four and lost. And so... So when that ended, Binghamton University, which is in my town, ended up uh, ended up going Division One. So I oh, was wow. like, 
the local kid transfer in to help out. And I even got like two of my buddies to transfer in from other schools to Hired play. Hired gun. And uh, they had this like 73-year-old coach who was like, <laughs> had as many wins as Dean Smith. Like he's basically coming back to like protect his record. He had been retired and stuff. So, uh, so it was like this weird kind of thing, and it turned out that this guy... Can we swear on this or not? Yeah, sure. This guy was fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> he's a 70 I always love when people ask on the show, can we curse? <laughs> then Can we curse? Oh, yeah, sweet. Okay, fuck. <laughs> well, I like to save it for when it's... When it's uh... Sure, you will pepper it in. So it was like, yeah, it was a crazy... So I transferred in there, and it's like, it's like whenever you expect something to be awesome. Like, so my two friends, like... They both like one. You're like them. the big three in uh, Miami. Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, you got two of my other friends. Everything's coming together. We right. can't lose. Right, and like my one buddy, like didn't even end up like they wanted him to play JVs after he had been like playing for Wilkes College, like which is another, you know, in the conference. And and then my other buddy ended up, he's like a six nine guy, ended up having like a a heart murmur or something. So the doctors oh, were keeping him out. And then when he finally came back, like they weren't playing him. So it was like a weird thing and. And then this coach ended up just being nuts. Like, I don't know if he was just senile or, like, you forget, like, 73 is, like, that's that's, that's pretty there, old. Man. Like, yeah. like, so I was just like, all right, is this guy just, like, he would just call people by different names and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. While yelling at them. And uh, I don't mean to get too involved with this, but so, like, the first week I ended up, like, turning my ankle and, uh-huh. like, it just ends up, like, I can't do anything. Like, I've got to ice it up, you know, tape it up as tight as it can be. And it uh, turns out my ankle was broken. Like, the trainer that w- didn't have, like, a certification, like, that guy was a fucking quack, too. <laughs> right. So, like, so I'm, like, I'm playing. So what have you gotten yourself into? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and the team sucked. That was the worst. Like, we had uh-huh. nobody. So I think we ended up, like, like, right at 500. And there was even, like, a game where, like, I turned my ankle during the game, like, my already broken foot, came back, and uh, there was, like, a huddle. And uh, the coach is like, all right, we'll draw this one for Paul coming off the screen. And there was another Paul that was on our team. And uh, everyone's like, well, who's he talking about? Because even they were, like, knew he was crazy. (laughs) And I'm like, it's me, it's me. And, like, I wasn't even in the game at that point. Like, I just came back up. So I basically called my own thing came off a screen like hit a three-pointer to tie it and put it in overtime we still ended up losing but it was like it was like there was a few highlights but it just ended up being miserable so at the end of the season i basically i have one year of basketball left that i just want to enjoy playing like and i still didn't even take school that seriously i just did well enough to like you know get yeah by or whatever yeah you're uh-huh. talking so, about basketball for 20 minutes <laughs> not one mention of what you did in college right, right. <laughs> And, uh, so, so, uh, you have your end of the year meeting with the coach and the guy's like, I think you're, uh, and I was basically the only starter coming back. The only guy that we kind of really had that played a lot of minutes. And, uh, and he's like, uh, I think you're, you know, I think you're a decent player, but you're a little too short and too slow to play here. And, uh, it was just like, you look at the two assistant coaches and you're like, what is he talking about? You know, like. And uh, I'm like the only guy like started coming back, and uh, and I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're probably gonna try to recruit, you know, a bigger guy to come in, and, you know, start here. And I was like, oh, okay. And so at that point, I'm just like, all right, well, I just started a whole season for them on a broken ankle. Yeah. And they're still not like, and they've seen me play all the way up, and uh, it's like if, you, if people don't respect you, then then like, what are they gonna you know, do? So then, uh, so this one it gets weird. So I end up, I end up uh, this guy who was uh, who used to play summer league with me ended up getting this job at Cortland State, which is like about thirty miles away from Binghamton in the same conference. And he's like thirty five years old, just taking over this program. It was where my dad played. So I end up having some connections there. Talk to this guy. And you know how like when you apply to a school, it takes like you know it takes like months, and you have to like pay him a check and it goes through registration all this kind of stuff yeah like, yeah he got yeah. me into the school in like a day <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> and it was like a phys ed school like kind of a cool party school like Cortland's pretty pretty cool place you know yeah and gym uh, teachers in college are usually pretty fun to hang out with <laughs> yeah and uh and then that summer i ended up like interning at a tv station 
And so they had like a communications degree. And so uh, I was already finishing my degree at Binghamton. I was basically just coming back to play basketball. So so they're like, yeah, if you want to play here, you know, we we need a point guard. So I transferred to Cortland for my last <laughs> uh, year, and we got to play Binghamton twice. Nice. So shove it down their throats. First game, I light their ass up. Nice. Hell yeah. In Binghamton, <laughs> the newspaper says like. Hey, how come? Why did you transfer? And I said the coach said I was too short and too slow to play. Oh, like, yeah, that's, that's great. Like, that's like the headline of the newspaper, and that was like nice. the beginning of the end for that coach because it started to come out like just how how out of crazy he was, he was you know? and how bad he was. And so and so, this is the best part. So the second game we play against them, uh, we come out and they play a box and one on me. Which, if you don't know what that is, that's basically they're putting a guy. Just on me, like their whole defense is designed just to stop me. Yeah, and so I'm talking shit like crazy. I, <laughs> I just walk over. It's like you told me I wasn't good enough to play here, and now this is your whole game plan just yeah. to stop me. Like we're gonna light your ass up. Like we had a bunch of three point shooters, and we just we just killed them. And uh-huh. it was like, and it was one of those things. Like you know, you can say, and this was back when like people weren't transferring to schools that often. Like even my dad was like. I don't know anybody who's transferred to like three schools. That's like kind of yeah, crazy. that's pretty insane. But every school I went to, I started. I had to beat out two or three other guys, which isn't easy. You know what I mean? So it was yeah. like I started a hundred and forty college games or something like that. So so when I look back, I was like, wow, that really kind of made me tough. You know, to just know because even at Binghamton, like when a guy just says you can't play, yeah, like. Sometimes you're just like, all right, fuck it, I'll just party my last year and not give a shit or whatever. But right, like, no, you just, yeah. you just, uh, yeah, I mean, you go through that all the time. I mean, show business is great, uh, you know, comparison that just like people, they won't say, the difference is in show business, people won't say you're too slow or you're too fat. They'll just like <laughs> not return your phone call exactly. or not yeah. respond to your email. Oh, okay, I guess uh, you you, don't, you never get an email or someone saying like, yeah, we're going another way. You just never hear from that person again. Yeah, yeah. Or they just blow you off and go, oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah, never mentioned it. Yeah, so, it's like, and to get a chance to like prove somebody wrong and then actually do it is like, there's nothing that feels better than that in anything that you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't have it like, oh, fuck that guy. It's like, no, I, I did that. That's why I feel good about it. It wasn't about that dude. It was just about people like that. Yeah, doing that to people, people are like proven me, wrong. You know? Yeah, holding down Paul. Did he so, ever have a response? Uh, no, he was like even. I I remember even after the game when we beat them, he tried to say something nice to me, and it was just really so you kinda you creepy. basically humiliated a senile yeah. man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> his eyes lit up. So well, but see, it wasn't even just him. It was like all the assistant coaches. Because, oh, they were on board because that's the whole thing that's weird, especially when you're dealing with kids like that. That's why, like. I don't know how much you've talked about this, but the NCAA is such bullshit the way that they obviously not paying kids to play, but just yeah. how much control Money. that the coaches have over the players that they can't transfer places or they like if a coach just decides to not play you and make your life miserable, they can do that because you're basically a slave to whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can just make servant. your life miserable for no reason. And this guy, like if I was you know, if I couldn't have left or or they didn't want me to leave, like, I would have been stuck there just for them to be assholes to me. And it's just, it's not fair, you know what I mean? So whenever I see, like, you know, like, Kayla Perry or one of those coaches like that that is always into trouble and skips to the next college, doesn't have to sit out a year, doesn't have to pay any fines or anything like that, and then leaves the school in ruins, it's like... Well, that shit isn't fair, you know what I mean? So I'm yeah, always, no, like, that's... on the player's side whenever it comes to something like that, you know? Yep, I hear you, man. Yeah, I mean, college basketball and college sports in general is is a crazy racket. And, you know, like you said, it's, uh, it all, it, it's you know, it's cynical, but it does just revolve around the money, and uh, it's tough, man. All right, so now you you wrap up your college career. You get the, the initial sports job at Chico State. Uh, what's the next move after there? Yeah, I mean, basically how that came about was like, so I finished playing basketball, and then that was like, all right, oh shit, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did stay on, and like, I was an assistant coach at Cortland for like a year, and then I kind of, I kept working at the TV station after the internship in Binghamton, and I was like, you know, that was when like Dan Patrick and Oberman are on ESPN, I was like, yeah. All right, salad days that, ESPN. You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then, uh, so yeah, it was weird. I had a weird connection to like 
I was either going to do an internship with the Phoenix Suns, and uh, that's what I was going out to Phoenix for. I had a friend who was, like, in graduate school, and he's uh, like, hey, yeah, come on out. So two of us, like, moved out there, and, and uh, all of a sudden, the guy from the Phoenix Suns is like, oh, yeah, I thought you weren't going to be here till the fall. And I was like, no, I'm, like, here now. And, uh, <laughs> this is the difference between, like, pre-internet. You know, there would have been, like, exactly. easy emails. But, like, dudes would just show up, like, hey, I'm here for the job. Like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, so it was weird. And, and it just so happened, like, one of my high school teachers was married. Er, er, his daughter was married to this guy who was, like, the lead news anchor at this Fox station. And he's like, no problem. I'll get you an internship here. So then, like, it was, like, literally a week. And I was, like, a sports intern at uh, KSAZ in in Phoenix. So it was like the first year of the WNBA, so I like <laughs> I had to do a bunch of stuff with the, uh. the Phoenix Mercury. Like I remember we interviewed Jeremy Roenick. He was with the Coyotes. Yeah, then. Phoenix Coyotes. Um uh but yeah, I got to do a bunch of stuff and and so that kind of prepped me for like, you know, getting the job in Chico. So okay, I had to so get the had, job like, in Chico. Yeah. So I get the job in Chico and uh that turns into like a nightmare like really quick (laughs) because i think i'm like working for a tv station but i'm working for working in a bureau which a bureau is like you know like if you were like in washington there's like a bureau near where uh the volcano is you know or uh or like mount st helens or something like like disaster watch basically yeah you're near like some shitty town where it usually floods or like there's a (laughs) hurricane and they want somebody like out there really quickly so so i worked in this bureau so it was like a two-room house basically with like a microwave dish on top and you would just broadcast from like somebody's living room basically <laughs> Whoa. so yeah i can't imagine broadcasting out of someone's house that sounds crazy <laughs> <laughs> well i mean this was before the uh the pre-internet, days, pre-internet. You know? this is like supposed to be an, i mean there's even like a cardboard abc in the uh in the window like it was just like <laughs> and it was the funniest thing is like so the other main station the cbs station is like we're literally in the shadow of their huge satellite dish. Wow. <laughs> like, and we had, like, the microwave dish. Like, we looked like we had direct TV. Like, we didn't right. look like a regular TV station. Oh, that's hilarious. So uh, so I'm working. There's a guy. Like, my job is to be to cover sports during the week, and then on the weekend I cover news. And I, I don't think that's a big deal. But then quickly I figure out, like, I have no fucking idea. Like, <laughs> you have no idea how to, doing. Like, how to cover hard news? Yeah, they're just like, hey, we need four news stories tomorrow. I was like, all right, what are they? Like, no, you're a reporter. Like, you have to, like, <laughs> find the stories. I can't, okay, so, like, you've just basically not done a lot of schooling. You've just been a gym rat your whole life. Yeah. How do you go out and just find news scoops cold like that? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, you just, um, so you, that, back then, like, this is... Very beginning of, like, you know, this is 97, so, like, internet, there's, you know, there's AOL, basically, but there's, like, you know, so you're getting, you know, you'll get a, a fax that there was, like, a, a 7-Eleven burglarized. So, all right, you just go take video of that for 10 seconds. Hey, uh, whatever was burglarized, uh, that's, that's one story down. Like, so that's the way. I, just, I would love to just see this, like, yeah, some uh, thing got burglarized. Uh, you guys see the bull score? All right, back to you. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So you're writing this for other people. So, <laughs> so like, I'm not reporting on most of this stuff. Like, I would do, like, we had a Friday night football show. So I'd cover, like, a football game Friday night, like, do it in the studio. But the other part of this was the main news reporter was this guy, like, on the down and out, like, in his 50s. And, like, barely holding it together. And I found oh, out, no. like, he was living in the studio. Like, he didn't have a home. Oh. And so now like, he's got to read copy written by some kid who doesn't give a shit. Well, but he's, like, working there Monday through Friday. But on the weekends, he lives there. So, like, he's always around. <laughs> oh, so, like, he's just, like, eating soup. While I'm, like... <laughs> so you're doing, like, a news broadcast. The guy's, like, just eating soup yeah. off the side. And he's, like, a guy in his 50s. So I'm doing the Friday night football show. He's sleeping on the couch where I'm, like... <laughs> I got oh the lights on. It's almost like, hey, Paul, can you keep it down? I was like, no, I'm doing a fucking TV show. Right <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an anchor over here. So, like, he didn't, have a, he didn't have a house. We had a station news car, so he used the station car full time. So there'd be, like, it was already the joke. Like, he'd have, like, his laundry in the front seat <laughs> and, like, come into stories and everything like that. So it was like, so this guy was, like, driving me crazy. 
and uh, and so we just got to like be to argue all the time. He kept breaking shit too. Like he's one of those guys that like, hey, I don't want to cause any problems. Can you just take this up to the main stage to tell them to fix it? You know, they don't care. You're the new guy or whatever. And he would just break stuff all the time. And so finally, we just like we kept getting in these arguments. It's like I can't fucking work with this guy. Like they even offered me a full time job down there because I was only working part time. And I was like, no, I can't fucking work with this guy. <laughs> so then our news director finally came. Like, like he ended up like getting a fist fight with like. There's another salesman that like just worked in the lobby and like he sold like computer parts, like like pirated. This did, yeah, parts. this does like, sound like a, was like super. This shady. really sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and th- it's pretty crazy. Like just with the two the two rooms, there's all these like weird. Dudes coming in, picking up packages. <laughs> it and sounds stuff. weirdly similar to Comedy Nation, which Sean and I worked on a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, Comedy that Nation was way was, less official than either. Yeah, I mean, it was an internet comedy show, but yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. this was supposed to be a legitimate uh, TV news station. Yeah, so I mean, we ended up we ended up kind of butting heads with this. I was butting heads with this weird guy, and of course, the big secret was that he was living there. Like, he would have got fired if they found out oh, he was living there. Oh, okay. So that's God. what I had over him, and I was just like. And I finally told the news director, and then he came down, and he's like, man, I thought I would be able to fix this, but you guys really hate each other, so there's going to have to be a change. And I was almost more worried for him because it was, like, his last straw. So I'm like, if he loses his job, he might just come back and kill me and the salesman guy. So I was also- You messed up his Friday night nap. He wanted to eat his soup. You really, rent free you really gig, screwed you know? this guy's life up, man. He had his station car with free gas. Like, he had it made, you know Dude, I mean? he really had a sweet gig. And so, uh, so then I was almost hoping I'd just get fired and move back to New York, figure something out. And then I ended up, uh, he's like, all right, well, the, the sports anchor, weekend sports anchor just left, so we'll just give you that job. So I ended up like failing upwards, basically. I got oh, promoted wow. to the main station, so I ended up being the weekend sports anchor. So that was like cool. So then I, you know, so then I'm working on the weekends where none of the big wigs are. Like I still didn't have any supervision at all until like, you know, I get to the main station like on a Monday, and like the GM is like, "Hey, why the hell are you doing Yankee highlights? Like this is, you know, the Bay Area. Like people like the Giants here is like, what's well, my fucking sports cast you know like <laughs> right. that's that's my team you know yeah. i like the celtics so like the new york giants you're gonna see a lot of that stuff too and he's like no no no, that's not how it works i was like oh i thought this was my sports segment which is like an asshole thing but back right. then i was like no i get five minutes to do whatever i want yeah i get to right. talk about my sports <laughs> and they're like no no and then that's finally like basically so i was coming back from a flight like in Sacramento, and I ended up going to like a comedy club, and I'd never been to a comedy club in my life. Like I was, yeah, always I was gonna a, say, where's the where's yeah. the comedy club? Coming? I mean, I was a huge comedy nerd. Like I, you know, I had tapes of Saturday Night Live and like all the HBO Young Comedian specials, and I just thought everyone did that. And I was talking to my friends, like everyone just liked funny stuff. They're like, no, but you had like as many tapes of Larry Bird I had, I had of you know. So uh, this was comedy was kind of your other like. uh passion going on in the background yeah i mean saturday Night live was always you know i love saturday Night live love you know chevy chase bill murray like norm mcdonald was like yeah like, norm was hilarious know. now when did you when did you start doing stand-up so yeah it was it was then where you know i was a sports guy obviously when i got that job but i wasn't like a performer i had no performance experience at all and like uh, so I went to this comedy club just to check it out because I'd been to one, I went to Cobb's once just on a fluke. Like I was visiting with my brother and like, it was like an open mic there, but like Pat and Oswald and like Gene Pompa and a bunch of like great comedians were there. And I was like, Oh, this looks like fun. So the next time I was in Sacramento, I went and there was a woman that was like, Hey, if you want to do the show sometime, just come in on a Tuesday. We have like a workshop and stuff. And I was the weekend sports anchor. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'll try that. You know, it'll help me. With, yeah. with the yeah. sports, you know. And then it turned out like I really fell in love with doing comedy and just kind of dove into that full force, you know what I mean? So I ended up being like the local news guy that MCs the shows <laughs> and all that kind of shit. That's like, kind of a sweet gig, just yeah. like doing sports on the weekend and yeah. then, hey, come check me out at the Chuckle Hut during the week. Well, and that's what happened. It turned out to be like... Like, oh, everybody thinks you're a douchebag because you're on the news. They don't think it's cool. Like, I, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. So then so then I was like, oh, yeah, I can't be that guy. You know what I mean? So then uh, – and there was times where I, I would, like 
you know, I would do the six o'clock news. I would do a stand-up show somewhere in near Reading at eight o'clock, and then cover a football game on my way back, and then do the eleven o'clock news. It was like I was just barely fitting in. Yeah, like, that's crazy. <laughs> my actual job. So then. So then it, like, came to a point, and then plus, you know, like, the GM and the the news director loved me, by the way. Like, I would do, like, like that's what that whole solo show is about that I'm doing. Uh, I don't mean to plug it indirectly, but... No, yeah, uh, you got a, uh, yeah, I mean, you got a show coming up at the 8 o'clock, the Improv Lab, Hollywood, uh, this Sunday night, and it's a life on the road. It's about your... I mean, yeah, it's about your experiences in uh, sports journalism, right? Yeah, I'm professional, so it's basically, like... Me doing a shitty job being a news reporter. So, <laughs> so I would tell a story about it and then show the actual videos. Like, we dug up all the actual videos of me. That sounds great. Being, what are some uh, What are some memorable clips in there? Well, I mean, one of the big stories was uh, I remember doing a news. They're like, all right, we need, like, four news stories or whatever. And so, like I said, you're just driving around. Like, what am I supposed to do, cause an accident? Like, there's nothing. This is Chico, California. Nothing happens here. Like, what if you just say there's no news? And they're like, yeah, that doesn't happen. So you got <laughs> So I was like driving around one day, and and uh, you know, there's like a big line in front of the movie theater. It ends up being like the Titanic is just opening, and it's like becoming this huge thing. It's like the second day. So then I just start interviewing people in line, and mind you, I'm not trying to be like a smartass or anything like that. I'm just like, what the hell are people doing here? And so there's a lady that like. Looked like she's doing a commercial for the movie. She's like, yeah, I saw it yesterday. I'm seeing it today. I'd see it tomorrow, but I have to work. And I was like, you know, the boat sinks, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I included all that stuff on there. And uh, they're just like, yeah, you can't. This is like a Saturday Night Live sketch. You can't. can't, (laughs) These are the people that watch the show. You can't make fun of them. You're just crapping on them the entire time. And then I did a thing with, remember Robert Hayes, that guy from, uh, he was the star of Airplane, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Like he was the pilot in Airplane. He was like a super sarcastic, like hilarious actor. And he like was doing like a public service announcement for like a recycling company. And it was his cousin's company. So that's why he was doing it. But all these other news stations thought it was like he was on a mission to save the earth and all that kind of stuff. So they're like asking him serious questions. And he's like totally fucking with them. And they don't even realize it. So then I'm just like, hey, are these, you know, PSAs the the biggest thing you've ever done in show business? You know, tell us about the budget and what we're going to see. And he was just like, yeah, you know, the budget's possibly in the millions. We've got like Steve McQueen's going to be in it. Uh, you know, he's just fucking with me right back and we're doing yeah, yeah. like lines from airplane and everything. <laughs> and so like the story, like they think it's like going to be a five minute, like hard hitting news story ends up like just being like a trailer for airplane two. Just, like, <laughs> just you guys riffing around. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, it always ended up being, and that was like the daily show was just starting back then with like Killborn, but it was like, it, that basically was it. Like I was doing those kind of stories, but at a real news station. So, yeah. Obviously. I mean, some people thought it was amusing. I think the news director liked it just because it kind of like broke made up the his day interested, yeah. interesting. But the GM, of course, was like, "Hey, this guy's we're trying to sell ads, guys." So when clown. when the actual break happened of you know becoming a comic and not becoming a broadcaster anymore? Yeah, it was like a weird thing. It was I was wearing myself a little bit thin, and I was like, you know, the 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 main thing was like, oh, I want to go to ESPN from here. But yeah. Then it's you know when you get into news like. TV or radio, you know that it's a long, you work, you know, you, there's 200 markets in yeah. the United States, so you go from, like, you know, there to, like, Sacramento. From Chico to or, Tulsa to yeah. Oklahoma City to and eventually. you slowly yeah. climbing yeah. the chart. You might make it to Reno in a couple years, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I don't even know if I want to do that anymore. Because the thing is, Rich Eisen went from my station right to ESPN. So that was the thing. I was like, oh, I can do it, too. But then it quickly turned out, like, like, I have kind of a boyish Rich Eisen face, also you know? uh, also dabbled in stand-up comedy. Supposedly. Like, That's this what he is, said in college this, or something. Yeah, he said this was a funny meeting. I don't know how you feel about Keith Olbermann. Like, I liked him with Dan Patrick, and I have no idea. I don't know about political Keith Olbermann. I just know about, uh-huh. like, I don't think I've ever watched him since SportsCenter. Yeah. But I met him one day. I went to, to see uh, Cal Ripken's last game at Yankee Stadium. And uh, it never ended. This is like uh, still a game. Like it just got rained out in the 14th inning or something, which was kind of funny because he could still go back and play. Basically, that was his last game. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, so uh, 
So I go to the subway because I got to leave, and it's just not ending, and I have, like, school, and I'm going to grad school. Go to the platform. Keith Overman's on the platform. And I'm like, hey, uh, I read you're in Dan's book, and that's what got me into this, you know, sports anchoring. I worked at KRCR in Reading. It's where uh, Rich Eisen worked. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah. Like, I could tell that was, like, the wrong thing to tell him about Rich Eisen because it seemed even at that point is like, oh, Rich Eisen's, like, taking my heat now or something yeah. like he was getting. And I was like, he's like, you're covering it from from Reading? I was like, no, 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 I actually do stand-up here. I go, I think Rich used to do stand-up. And he's like, yeah, I'm sure he tried it or something like that. <laughs> but it, you could tell that Oh, Rich just seems like a huge it. douche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just seems like he hates everyone. I don't know. Rich Eisen seems nice enough. I don't know. From his, his political TV program personnel. was like that, too. He was just in his same sarcastic but he But he doesn't hide the fact that he's a douche. I think that's kind of Oberyn's appeal. It's like, hey, I'm a... I'm kind of a douche, you know, like, and I'll give out these, uh, you know, extreme liberal uh, points of view and I'll get fired up and I'm a smart guy and I'll be, you know, pretty good on camera, but. But it's not even the douche thing. It's just like, I know more than you. Like, yes. Even oh, it's in a sports, smugness. Even in sports, it's like, I know what baseball cards are worth. He doesn't know, like, who's a good player. He knows, like, the shit that, that I don't even like to keep track of. No, yeah. So he's, <laughs> it's anyone who's, like, an intellectual like him. That's what. Basically, conservatives don't like about liberals is that they feel intimidated and that, uh, you know, like liberal intellectuals would be kind of like smug about the idea of, oh, uh, you you don't know anything. You're stupid people. So then they get like, yeah, we like regular people like Sarah Palin. And and so it almost like goes too far the other way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now it's uh, it's come full circle. You got out of the uh, you got out of the uh, yeah, two- sports th- journalism. Yeah, two thousand. Don't ask me why. It was like New Year's Day was my last. I gave my my two week notice. So then uh, did some comedy and then moved uh, back to New York and then eventually moved to New York City and uh, started doing comedy and then you know got a couple breaks. Did the HBO festival and did the Late Late Show, Craig Ferguson, and that kind of got me back to back to California and. So I've been in Los Angeles the last six years, anyway. So, um, yeah, nothing, wow. nothing crazy, back crazy from the news uh, business. Yet. Yeah, crazy uh, Paul Morrissey journey. I'm still waiting f- to get offered that ESPN uh, <laughs> job. You know? Yeah, who knows, man? Well, you know, you can always uh, do your own kind of uh, sports thing online or sports podcast. We'll have you on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com sometime. Yeah, Check I'm not a big there. like. That's the whole thing. Is like I've tried to gamble a few times legally. If anybody's listening in Las Vegas, and uh, it never fucking works. Like those guys know so much more. Yep. Like, like they know like who's got the flu that day or yeah. who broke up with their girlfriend. Like it's amazing how how much more they know than like even guys that like know. But see that. Knows, but the, you know? but see that's the thing. That's where you. I mean. It comes down to the people that know the most set the line. But then, you know, it still is a coin toss at the end of the day. So, I, I mean, they're really sharp at setting the lines. But you could still, you know, you can do all right. You can get on a run here and there. Well, I mean, really, it's luck. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to. Says the host of the sports game uh, podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, some some guys don't know what they're talking that's, about. Some do. That's the definition of degenerate. Thinking, <laughs> exactly. Thinking you can beat the Oh, system. I got a system, Paul. I have a system. Don't you worry about it. Um, Man, time is flying. I wanted to get to this real quick before we wrap things up. I was doing uh, – it was my buddy's fiance's um, birthday, and they did a karaoke party. Have you ever gone to one of these in, like, Koreatown? They have these rooms where it's just, like, your own, like, room. It's like a living room size, and you just get a big remote control, and they play videos. It's weird. They, they play videos of just, like, random – like kind of Asian drama, and then over it is the text of whatever song. So you'll be rocking out to like a Bon Jovi song, and then there'll be like just this like heartfelt Asian drama in the background. And you know, it's and they got the karaoke hookup, and everyone just gets drunk and starts singing and yelling, having a good time. It's 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 it can be fun. Sometimes it can be loud and annoying. But um, <laughs> my buddy and I were singing uh, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, and you know some of the people in the room were Asian, and obviously it's Koreatown. So the people that are working there are Asian as well. And I had never – I had totally forgotten this line was in uh, Born in the USA or this little little <laughs> little chunk here. I never, I never thought about it, but when you see it like on the screen and you uh, start screaming, you can understand why it was a little bit awkward.
Oh my god, I didn't so, even know that part. So there's this line of going out to <laughs> kill the yellow man. So it's it's very uncomfortable yelling that. And then you have to like, oh wait, you know, it's in context of he was doing a uh, you know a character who was in the Vietnam War and it was a different time back then. Bruce Springsteen's not racist. <laughs> it's, it's a very uh, very weird. Yeah, that's like I thought you were gonna say you're singing. I'm turning Japanese. Oh no, like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's a little on the nose. Um, what else? Oh, I want to get to this real quick. They uh, they've been really fired up. The media in general over. Of Rush Limbaugh's uh, comments where he called this one uh, Sandra Fluke uh, a slut. I don't know. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I this is this is one of the things I love about like not being fully informed is that I just see everyone's reaction to yes. it. Yes, and uh, <laughs> I don't see the actual thing because I'm yeah. already too late on it. So right. It's like, <laughs> Same here. Their reaction's so much bigger than him just saying that. All right. Well, here we can. Uh, let's see if. Uh, actually, no, I don't think that's. But yeah, basically, he calls her a slut. So people have been fired up. You know, different congressmen are calling on the FCC to take him off the air. It's like, all right, who get? I mean, whatever. It, that's not gonna. Happen. He was. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Rush Limbaugh's politics, but the guy is. He was kind of. If you listen to it, I think he was kind of messing around. And yeah, he's trying to. He tries to stir things up. But it was just so funny that all these. All these uh, advertisers are pulling off of Rush Limbaugh's show like, oh, I can't advertise, can't advertise. And then I saw this new DirecTV commercial, and I, I couldn't help but laugh. This is one of these uh, – they have a series of these, but this one in particular. When you have cable and can't record all your shows, you feel unhappy. When you feel unhappy, you go to happy hour. When you go to happy hour, you're up for anything. When you're up for anything, you head to a Turkish bathhouse. When you head to a Turkish bathhouse, you meet Charlie Sheen. And when you meet Charlie Sheen, you reenact scenes from Platoon with Charlie Sheen. Don't reenact scenes from Platoon with Charlie Sheen. Get rid of cable and upgrade. Okay, so... By the way, that sounds way more fun than watching TV. Exactly, yes. <laughs> why, would you, why would you not... I mean, I guess the, the joke is Charlie Sheen's crazy and he's pointing at a crossbow at you. First off, A, Charlie Sheen, you're not in on the joke. I, I don't know where... <laughs> no, we're making fun of you for being crazy. Then you can't, like, take that as your brand and own it. It was the same thing that was annoying, like, when Jessica Simpson did it. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm stupid, I'm ditzy. No, you're actually stupid, all right? Like, that's... <laughs> Her dad was on the TV saying, oh, no, it's just like Lucille Ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's just no. a character. But my, <laughs> my point there is that Charlie Sheen has said and done much crazier things than Rush Limbaugh. And you want to talk about guys who probably aren't nice to women? I don't know. I mean, Charlie <laughs> Sheen, I'm guessing, he shot uh, he shot one of his girlfriends and then claimed the gun accidentally misfired and, like, a bullet was in her leg or something. Uh, you know, he's, he's he was, like, one of the main clients of Heidi Fleiss, admitted to going on, like, crazy coke benders with prostitutes. So how is how does, like, the media not... How do people not get fired up about? Oh my God, they're letting Charlie Sheen endorse stuff. It's just so it's just so bizarre. Or just shows that the media, which uh, you know, Paul, you used to be a part of, but the <laughs> the idea of like, oh, we're gonna get on this thing and and just ride this thing and pull the advertisers off Rush Limbaugh. Meanwhile, it, it should be up to the advertisers to choose who they want to advertise and just like whole, the whole idea of like pressuring people, hey, pull the sponsor so that they don't have a show. It's it's ridiculous. Well, it's like uh, I always my the guy I still kind of look up to when it comes to like reacting to things is David Letterman, which I know is weird to say, but I always think he's like he could have the president or like Bill O'Reilly or somebody on right. the show, and he always prefaces it by saying, "Hey." I'm just a rube. I don't know anything. I'm not that informed about any of this stuff, but I'm just trying to make a common sense thing and here's what I think. Yeah. And that's like the 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 best way that you cuz if you go out like, you know, like a Keith Olbermann or I'm or the even smartest Rush, man yeah, known to mankind. He's trying to affect people's opinions, so he's he, he, it was he joking? Well, maybe people But see, are I, I think almost leeway. like I think almost a guy like Rush Limbaugh realizes he's kind of he's he's preaching to the choir so much that he realizes he's not going to really convert people per se. He's more going to just kind of entertain and get people 
Like the people on the right that listen to Rush Limbaugh find it's funny that, oh, yeah, you want the government to pay for your birth control? Oh, yeah, Rush Limbaugh called her a slut. <laughs> exactly, so, like, yeah. they, they find it funny. I, I, like, I feel like if you actually are trying to have a discussion or try to make some common sense stuff, you approach it like a letterman would in that, hey, I'm just, uh, I'm just Joe, I'm nobody. And, you know, that's Letterman's act, too, of like, hey, I'm just this guy from Ball State, Indiana, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Well, plus, Rush Limbaugh talks for 15 hours every week. I mean, he's got to say something a little crazy. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't have crazy human and pet tricks filling up most of his blocks. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, so, like, Bill Maher is on HBO. He doesn't have to worry about advertisers. Right. And you can, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't necessarily like Bill Maher. I think he's very, like... But he's undeniably good at what he does, so I can't, like, he's doing his thing, so he can have his opinions, and he doesn't back down from it, so I respect him in that way, but I'm not, like, a huge fan of, like, oh, I I love what he did, like, I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm sure he's probably a dick to hang out with, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, he's not worried about, he went to where you don't have to worry about advertisers, just like Howard Stern, you know? Yeah, same thing. satellite radio, you don't got to worry about somebody finding you or throwing yep. you off. You go to a podcast, you don't yeah. have to worry about anything. You just have to worry about people going to SeanTGreen.com, clicking the Amazon <laughs> banner. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. you got to get Rush on this uh, on this network, man. Exactly. All right, Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up here with your haikus? Let's do or it. Or haiku? I'm, I'm just doing one today. Is this another Asian joke? No. <laughs> Basketball is life. Basketball is everything. I am not a jock. Poignant, Logan. All right. (laughs) Uh, Paul, I would be remiss to, uh, if we didn't ask you, being a college basketball player yourself, who do you like in the Final Four? Um, Let's see. I always go for the, the underdogs in the smaller schools like, uh, like Murray State. I'm pulling four. Okay. Obviously. And uh but the hometown team uh in my area is always Syracuse, even though you know, they usually go in with a great record and always Fab get Mello's out. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean I still think they're a pretty strong team and it's almost better when when people aren't expecting stuff from them because they usually are the guys that are like they're in the poster for like the NCAA tournament is for little schools to beat teams like Syracuse. Yeah, like, that's exactly. <laughs> So I mean I'm looking for uh Give me you know, give me your final four pick or what we got? Uh, Michigan State. Okay. Murray State. Okay. Syracuse and who's the other? North Carolina? Yeah, in the other oh, bracket wow. you got uh let's see, you got yeah, UNC, Kansas. UNC, Kansas, Michigan, Georgetown, Temple. I like Carolina out of there, I think. All right. And who who do you got winning it all? We'll go with Syracuse. We'll stick with it. Cuse, baby. All right. Okay, and uh, where can people check you out? Uh, PaulHasAWebsite.com is always easy to remember. And, uh, yeah, Wait, what's the do- website? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> that is the website. Nice Not PaulMorsey.com is a real estate agent in San Diego. Don't go to that fucking guy's <laughs> website. Just PaulHasAWebsite.com has all the uh, – Craig Ferguson show sets and yeah, all the great upcoming sets. tour dates and uh, interviews like this. I'll get this link up there. So yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, thanks for coming for on, me, and uh, thank you everyone for tuning in, in the green room. We do it live here every week on ShantiGreen.com. Thank you for listening to The Green Room. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access the complete show archive. And follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also check out my new web series at DocumentaryLabel.com.